Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. And it is good to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of other things we could be doing on a beautiful October morning in this beautiful place we live in. But man, there is nothing that beats being here, right? With, with like-minded people who are seeking after the same one, who, the same Jesus. And, and man, there's just something powerful about that. And I just want to welcome you here and thank you for being here today. It's a, it's a good day to be together. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are in the middle of a five-week series that we are doing called The Friendship Dilemma. And uh, we, the reason why we're doing this series is because we realize that the world we live in currently, that there is a dilemma around friendship, that when it comes to uh, our friends, uh, especially the older we get, the more difficult it is to maintain healthy uh, friendships. In fact, uh, th this idea has kind of been going through the, the whole uh, series so far, it's this, is that in every season of life, friendship will either make you or break you. <clears throat> and you, my, my guess is, is that we all know this to be true from our own experiences, that there have been seasons in life where maybe the friends weren't there that you needed, uh, or you were with the wrong crowd for a while, and it, it kind of change the trajectory of your life, even for a season. And the opposite is true too, that when we are around people who are for our best and for our good, that it makes a huge difference in life. That's why we're doing this series is because we realize that friendship is a big deal. And so a couple weeks ago, Pastor Matt started us off by giving us just a kind of an understanding of how because we were made in the image of God, in part, what that means is that we were created with the need and the capacity for friendship. We were created for, uh, for community with other people. And then last week, John, one of our pastoral residents, he had a difficult task of preaching about social media and, and how it affects us today. That, that social media has continually overpromised and under-delivered. That if anything, it hasn't drawn us closer in our friendships, it's, it's created more of an isolation for us from people. That, that there's this really difficult task of managing our social media as we move forward. And, and it really redefined what a friend is, didn't it? Today we are looking at this idea. We're talking about brothers in the trenches. Brothers and sisters in the, ten, in, in the trenches. Because here's the reality, is that when life is good... When you're in a good season, when, you're, when, when everything's going well, like you can look around and, and just see lots of people that are your friends, right? I mean, you can look around and, and, and just start naming off people that are, even, even if they're in this room, like, oh yeah, like all these people are around me. But there's something about when we get into the trenches of life and you look around and there's nobody there. Have you ever experienced that? You're in a, a, a deep battle in life, whatever it might be. And, and all those people that were there just a moment ago, you look around and they're, and they're gone. It reminds me of this movie that came out in the early 2000s uh, called Open Water. It's a horrible movie. Don't go see it if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's based on a true story of this couple that goes to Australia to do some scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef and, uh, in, in the late 90s. And, and so they get there and they, they get out on their boat with their crew and they, 
they head out to their dive spot. Um, and I don't know, there's maybe a dozen people or so. I kind of forget. I tried to block it all out in their boat. And, uh, uh, and they go scuba diving. And they're down there for a while and doing their thing. And, and one thing leads to another. They come back up to the surface and their boat and their entire dive party is gone. Like gone, gone. And they have no idea where they are. They have no idea where everybody else went. And there they are. The whole rest of the movie is them bobbing like apples in the middle of the ocean until they die. Right? I mean, that's just, that's why it's a horrible movie. And, it, and, and the worst part is that it's based on a true story. Like these poor people went through that and died. Somehow we don't know how they died. I mean, we can take guesses, right? But, but, but sometimes that's kind of what life is like for us, isn't it? I mean, think about it. That trench that you experience, right? Maybe it's that, uh, the unexpected divorce papers that show up at your door or that other relationship that comes to an end way too early. That unknown health crisis that hits you right in the face, that, that job problem, that financial risk that you took and then it turned out really badly, or, or maybe it was even that bad decision or several bad decisions that you knew you shouldn't be doing, but you did anyway. And here you are in the trench and you look around and no one is there. And oftentimes this is where we get surprised, isn't it? Like, wait a second, I thought, I thought you were my friend. I thought these people were my friends, and here in this trench, they are nowhere to be found. And so if it's true, if it's true that in every season of life, friendship will either make you or break you, the question then becomes, how do we surround ourselves with friends that will not only be there in the good times, but also in the trenches as well? Do you have those brothers and sisters in the trenches. And so we're going to look at a few verses in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Uh, but before we get there, as you want to turn there, go ahead. But before we dive into it, uh, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. Would you pray with me? Well, Father, we thank you for another day. God, we thank you for your mercies that are new this morning. And God, I, I pray as we look at your word today, God, as we dive into what it is that you have for us, God, would you inspire us with your words? God, for those of us who are there in the trenches right now and there is nobody else around, my prayer, God, today is that you would encourage them and comfort them and that maybe they would find a friend to join them, to walk with them through the hard time. So God, as, as we look at your word together today, God, we ask that you would speak to us. And it's in your good name we pray these things. Amen. The book of Ecclesiastes is written by a man named Solomon. And Solomon was a king of Israel who was uh, one of, at, up, up until that point, like the richest man that ever lived. Like if you just imagine what it is that you would want as a rich person, he had like 17 of them. I mean, he, he, he never lacked anything. He just, he, he had everything sort of at his fingertips. And after all of this pursuing all of these riches and, and every desire he ever had, he, he kind of sat down and realized like, okay, this was just kind of a big waste of time. 
Like this was kind of meaningless. Like these toils, these pursuits, like the things that we strive for in life, at the end of the day, life is just like a, a mist that's going to be over in just a blink and all of it's kind of meaningless. And so he writes this book that is honestly a little bit depressing and kind of repetitive, but there's some gems in here, right? There's some, some gems in the book of Ecclesiastes and we're going to be in chapter four as we look at some of his reflections on what he's learned through some of his pursuits and toil. It says this in verse nine. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, but a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now here, Solomon is giving us these principles that he learned kind of the hard way. This principle in life is that you can do all these things by yourself, but at the end of the day, if you're by yourself, you are missing something. This, this simple principle in life, that, that, that two are better than one. I mean, it's, it's, it's not profound, is it? But it is. Like two are better than one. That we can have someone there to, to share with us in the good times and in the difficult times. I mean, what he's talking about sounds great, doesn't it? Like it, sounds, it sounds like a great plan. Like to have that, those kind of relationships where someone has your back, where they're going to lift you up, where you're going to work together, where, where you are this cord of three strands that, that can't be easily broken. But the question is, how do we get that? How, how do we do that? I, I mean, how, how do we have friends that Solomon is talking about here? So as I was thinking through this text and this sermon, I kind of thought about it in terms of categories. Like, would it be helpful for us to think of our friends in different categories? Now, when you're a kid in like elementary school, you have your best friends, right? Or your besties, right? Your BFFs. Now, as you get older, you often don't find 43-year-old men going around, hey, I'm going to go call my, my bestie real quick, right? Like, we just don't do that as much, right? The, the, the categories just kind of start to fade away. But what that leaves us with is no real way to understand, like, how do I know which friends that I have are closer and which friends that I have that, that aren't as close. Like, how do, I, how do I know that? And so what I did is I kind of thought through just this, these four words that help us, these four categories that might help us. Now, I want to say that, that, that these categories are, are nothing new. In fact, if you don't like these categories, there have been several psychologists, therapists, pastors, leaders who have thought up other categories. You can go home and Google like categories of friendships and you'll find 7 billion different ways to categorize your friendships. So, so I just want to say that. Uh, but, but, but here's the, the categories that I'm going to work on today. And I think we see them in these, in these verses, in this text. So we have our collaborators... We have our comrades, we have our counterfeits, and we have our covenantal friends. So we have our collaborators, our comrades, our counterfeits, and our covenantal friends. And so what we're going to do for just the next few minutes is we're just going to look at these four types of friends that I think are represented here in this text. So back to chapter 4, verse 9. 
It says this, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil or for their work. So this is the collaborators. These are the friends that work toward the same goals. One way to understand it is that they are for what you are for. Now, we all have collaborators. We all need collaborators in our lives, right? Like these are your, your co-workers that, that when you get to work, you work well together. You, you have a friendship at work, but then maybe outside of work, you don't really ha- have much of a friendship, right? That, that you come together for a common goal, right? This could be your classmates. If you're a student and, and you get into a group project, that's the worst thing ever, isn't it? Right? Especially when you get the slackers in your group, but it's the best thing for them because they're like, hey, look at all these really great people and my, I, get a, I get a good grade. Uh, but anyway, I digress. You see, this is the, the Broncos fans who try to collaborate to try to help the Broncos have a winning season. Good Lord help them. Here's the thing about collaborators, though, is that once the goal is reached, the friendship is over. Like, not in a bad way, but it's like, hey, we, we did our thing. Now the, the friendship, the, there's nothing else that the friendship is, is based on. Think of, like, Ocean's Eleven, right, where, where George Clooney, Danny Ocean is his name in the movie, and he, and he has this big plan to take down three large casinos in Las Vegas in one night. And so what does he do? He gets these 11 guys uh, together to, to work uh, and to collaborate in order to pull off this huge heist. And then when it's over, like they all kind of go their separate ways. Like some of them don't even like each other. You see that in the movie. And then, okay, but we're going to put our differences aside and work together. We are collaborators. So as I go through these categories, I'm just wondering, think of the names and the faces that pop into your mind as we go through each one. Who are those collaborators in your life? Who are the people that are friends with a common goal? The next one is in verse 10. The first part of verse 10, it says this. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. These are the comrades. The comrades who have a common enemy, right? When you fall, when the enemy takes a shot and you fall, the comrade is there to lift you up. A comrade is against what you are against, based on the common enemy, As one modern-day academic philosopher, uh, he also is um, the assistant regional manager. He says it this way, Jim is my enemy, but it turns out that Jim is also his own worst enemy, uh, and the enemy of my enemy is my friend, so Jim is actually my friend. (laughs) Gotta love Dwight, man. You see, we see a lot of camaraderie in the armed forces. If you served, you know what I'm talking about. You come together with these other men and women and you have a common enemy. We see this in our wars, especially. In fact, there's a a story in World War II on Christmas Eve in 1944. Uh, Now in World War I, there was a Christmas truce. This is different uh, and on a much smaller scale. But, But during 1944, Christmas Eve, three American soldiers in Western Germany found themselves separated from their platoon for about three days. 
They were lost. They were scared. They were hungry. One of them was wounded by a gunshot. He was fighting for his life. They ended up on the doorstep of this mother and son in Western Germany and knocked on their door and humbly asked. Neither of them, they didn't speak German and this mother and son didn't speak English, but all of them sort of had broken French. And so in their broken French, they were able to communicate what was going on. Hey, we're lost. We're hungry. We're tired. We're hurting. Uh, Can we stay at your house for the night? We know this is a huge request. And she said, yes, you can. They, they invited these American soldiers into their home. Fritz and his mom started making dinner for them to, to make a hot meal. The soldiers started tending to their hurt buddy. A few moments later, another knock on the door came. And Fritz's mom goes to answer it. And to her terror, there were four German soldiers right outside the door. And they tell her, hey, we're lost, we're cold, we're hungry, we're wounded, can we stay in your house for the night? And she says, well, we do have some other guests that I'm not sure you're going to like. And immediately their radar and antennas kind of went up and they're like, are you housing Americans? And she, and she, listen to this, she said this, she said, listen, I kind of imagine her pointing her finger at them. You could be my sons, and so could they. A boy with a gunshot wound fighting for his life and his two friends, they are lost, they are hungry, they are exhausted, just like you. She said, this Christmas Eve night, there will be no killing here. (laughs) And the German soldiers were like, yes, ma'am. They take off their guns, they go and they set them in the corner, and they're like, whatever you say. And sure enough, they went into the house. They share a Christmas meal together around the table. They're able to to find some warmth, to have a good rest, to to tend to their wounds. The next morning, uh, they shook hands, and both groups of soldiers went in separate ways to go find their armies. You see, enemies became comrades for the night because they had a new common enemy which was their hunger, their loneliness, their exhaustion, and their their wounds. So collaborators are for what you're for. Comrades are against what you are against. The next category is this in the second part of verse 10. It says this, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. You see, these are the, the counterfeit friends. These are the counterfeit friends. These are the friends that maybe you thought were there, that you thought had your back, but when you needed them, you were alone. These are the friends that aren't really friends. Now, when I use the term counterfeit friends, it, I think it could mean those friends that, are, that, are, uh, that have bad motivations to be your friend, like they just want something from you or, or some other nefarious motive to be your friend. But I also think it's those friends that you have that where there's just no depth in that friendship. You know what I'm talking about? It's like I graduated high school 25 years ago, right? And I think I, I've spoken to a couple of my high school graduates since then, but most of them I have not even said a word to. But however, we're Facebook friends, Right? Does that mean we're great friends? Does that mean we get together on the weekends? Does that mean when I'm in a trench in life that they're going to come and help me? Absolutely not. Why? Because there's just no, there's no depth there. 
I mean, maybe at one point, counterfeit friends used to be comrades or, or collaborators, but now there's just a distance. I mean, these are the people that you see in the grocery store that you haven't seen for 25 years, but you feel obligated to say hi, right? And then it's like they're in the dairy section. They're like, hey, what's new? And it's like, well, gosh, how do I recap the next, last 25 years in 10 seconds? Oh, not much. See you later, right? We should have lunch sometime. Yeah. yeah. So the collaborators, comrades, and counterfeits. And then finally, in verse 12, it says this. Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, but a cord, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So these are what I call the covenantal friends. You see, while collaborators are for what you are for, and comrades are against what you are against, and, and counterfeit friends, there's just no depth there, covenantal friends are for you, and you are for them. Now, when I use the word covenantal, I don't mean literally, like, uh, like when you get married, that there's a, a legal sort of binding covenant right, where you say vows, you exchange rings, you fill out some paperwork, and you are now in a covenantal relationship. I don't mean that, although it could be that, but what I mean is more descriptively. Like, these are the friends that have the covenantal qualities, like the, like the ones who love you unconditionally. They, they know you inside and out. They know the good, the bad, and the ugly, but, but it doesn't change their love for you. They're with you through the thick and the thin of Life. They don't care about how you look or how much money you make. They're the ones that you call in the middle of the night, whether it's because you had a rough day or you have a flat tire or whatever it might be. These are the ones that you might sit down and, and scarf a whole plate of cookies uh, after a rough week, but then at the same time, they're going to tell you the truth. They're not afraid to sharpen you and, and tell you the truth in love. They're the ones who are going to tell you when your zipper's down. They're going to tell you when you need a breath mint. You see, these are the ones that have a unique perspective and voice into your life. One that other people don't have. Because in covenantal friendships, there's a deep vulnerability that, that kind of goes both ways, right? There's, there's a deep knowing the good and the bad. And like a cord of three strands, like a threefold rope, I mean, these bonds go deep don't they? It's not easily broken. Like th these bonds can take a lot. They can take a lot of heat and they don't break. And, and these are the people that are with you in the trenches. Now, my guess is that as I went through the, the four categories, there were names and faces that popped into your mind until we get to this one. For most of us, there's very, very few names or faces that pop into our minds. And I think this is a normal thing Right? Because over the course of a lifetime, I think if you have a few friends that are covenantal friends, that you are blessed. Like these friends are rare. They are few and far between. Why? And I think it's because these kind of friendships are a lot of work. I mean, they sound really good and we want the benefit, but they they're, they're a lot of work for both people. You see, and, and the reason why they're a lot of work is because ingrained in each of us is not only a desire for these kind of friends, 
But deep down inside each of us as fallen humanity, there's also this reaction to distance ourselves from people, isn't there? You see, when it comes to seeing some of the ugly spots of my life, like I don't really want you to see that. And immediately what I'm doing is I'm halting any sort of depth and and growth and cultivation within my covenantal friendships. You see, our humanity since Adam and Eve, since the fall, our, our reaction is to run and to hide and to posture ourselves and to, to put up fake facades. But these kind of friendships, they require vulnerability. They require time. They require a mutual desire for the same things. They they require commitment and cultivation and, and sacrifice. I mean, these are the kind of people that you want in your trench, don't you? Like, these are the kind of people that, that you have to have in your trenches. Which is one of the reasons why we talk about community groups often. There's a lot of reasons why we have community groups here at Crossroads, but one of the main reasons is because we want you to be in a place where you might be able to cultivate a a, a deep friendship with maybe just one other person in your group. That is a huge, huge win. That's why we have things like Celebrate Recovery, where you can intentionally take a a courageous step and join us uh, at CR on a Monday night and and find a community around you who who are going to, to develop some deep community and support for each other. Or maybe for some of you, what this means is that you just need to make the ask. Like maybe there's somebody in your life right now, maybe in the community group or or something, and and you just need to make the ask kind of awkwardly, like, will you go steady with me? But not that awkward. But I mean, is there something, like do we even use, they don't even use that word, I'm so old. Um, but, But what would it look like if you invited him or her to coffee and said, hey, you know, we've been friends for a long time, and I'm just wondering, like, I wanna be there for you. And right now I'm going through a really hard time in life and I, I just want to know if, if I can count on you to, to be there for me. Like, like maybe there's something there. You see, this is one of the beautiful distinctives of the church that God created the body of Christ to be this way, designed to care for one another. And could it be that maybe even in this room, there's one or two other people that, that are ready and to, to be in this kind of friendship with you, that they would actually step down into the trenches of life with you? Because here's the thing, too often we get surprised in the trenches and nobody's there. And too often, you get mad at me or Matt or James. And I just want to say, we can't be that friend for all of you. We can't. In fact, it's physically, humanly impossible to do that. But look around this room. There's a lot of people who can. And could it be that there's a couple of people that, that need that friendship like you do? You see, as I was going through these categories, I'm wondering, as you were thinking through the names and the faces of of the different friends that you have, which by the way, in these categories, I think people move in and out of different categories over time. They do. But my question to you is this, is did Jesus pop into any of those categories for you? Is Jesus in one of those 
categories for you. And before you answer with the right, like, churchy answer, like, think about that for a moment. Like, what kind of friend is Jesus to me? And and what kind of friend am I to Jesus? You see, for a long time in my life, Jesus and I, we were were collaboratives. Like, man, we got together. we, We met each other for morning coffee before work. We'd work hard together. And then at the end of the day, like, all right, see you tomorrow. That's what we were. At other times, we were comrades where, man, we had an enemy to defeat. We, we, we would pray, I would pray, and we would work hard, and we would defeat this common enemy. And other times in my life, Jesus was a, a counterfeit friend, meaning that he was, like, I was just, there was no depth there. Like, I, I forgot about him. I walked away from him. I, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't giving him any time. Where is Jesus land for you? What kind of friend is he to you? You see, our deep down desire for these type of intimate covenantal friendships is really just a shadow into our desire for a connection with God. That that's what it is. That that desire you have is given to you by God, but not only for other people, but a desire for him that Jesus, if we allow him to be, is closer than a brother for you and for me. In fact, he says it this way. Jesus says it this way in John 15. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Right there, he's talking about covenantal relationships. He's talking about covenantal friendships. You go do this. And then he says this, greater love has no one than this. Can we say those words out loud together? Let's, let's say that all together. Ready? Greater love has no one than this. Do you believe that? (laughs) That someone lay down his life for his friends. Hear me, there is no greater love that you can experience than the love of Jesus Christ. That he laid down his life for you. That while you were still enemies of Jesus, you weren't even comrades, you weren't even collaboratives, you weren't even counterfeit friends of Jesus. You were enemies of his, and it says that he came down from his throne, put on flesh to die for you, to lay down his life for you, and because of that, we can be friends of God. Is Jesus in the trenches of your life with you right now? Do you know that he is? You see, We think of Jesus often as like the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Like, yes, I can get behind that. He's big. He's he's the creator of the universe. He's eternally existent with the spirit and the father since before creation. He's preeminent over all things. He he holds all things together. He has beaten death. He, He created a new way for you and I to have life. And he's also your friend. He's your friend if you let him be. And he jumps down into the trench. Here's the interesting thing about trenches is that we only get into the trenches when we're fighting battles. And did you know that whatever battle you're fighting right now that Jesus has already won? He's already won that battle. 
He already knows what's happening on the other side. And here's the beautiful thing is that even if you literally lose your life in the battle, it's still won. Why? Because then we get to spend eternity with him, our best friend. (laughs) Man, he's already won the battle. And he loves you so much. He wants to be with you. Friends, it's great to have a buddy in the trenches. It's great to have those covenantal friends in our lives, but there's no greater friendship that you can have than one with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for your love for us, shown to us by your Son, coming from heaven not considering equality with you a thing to hang on to, but putting on flesh, taking the form of a servant, being born as a baby, living the life of a servant, dying a criminal's death, raising himself back to life so that you could be with me. God, let that sink in to our hearts today. Let that amazing love sink in, God. Jesus, thank you for being the best friend we could ever have. Father, for those who are in the trenches now and they are abandoned, they, they are isolated, they, nobody else is with them, God, I pray for your grace and your mercy in that situation. God, would you bring someone alongside them to bear those burdens? And at the same time, would you remind them that you are right there because you promised to never leave us, never forget about us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, if you're here this morning and and maybe you want to take a step toward friendship with God, if you want to take a step toward following him, putting your faith in him, however you want to say that, even if you just want to have a conversation with somebody about this, man, we would love to do that. You can just simply text the name Jesus to this number and we will be in touch with you and and talk with you about what that looks like, all right? Every weekend we spend some time remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, our covenantal friend who literally made a new covenant with his blood and his body. As he was sitting around the table with his friends, he tells them, look, my body is going to be broken and given for you. Whenever you eat of this bread, remember that. Let's remember together. And then holding the cup, he said, this is the covenant, the new covenant of my blood that I'm creating for you, for me to be in covenant together. My blood poured out for you the love of God on display. Let's remember together. Friends, we're going to spend some time singing together and responding to our good God. During this time, we're going to have some people in the back corner there under the prayer banner who would love to pray with you. And I just want to say that, man, there's, uh, there's nothing more courageous than getting up and going over there to have someone pray with you. You might think it's a sign of 
weakness or that you shouldn't do that or, or that maybe your issues in life aren't bad enough to go have someone else pray with you. But here's the thing. This is the beautiful thing about what God has created that we get to lift each other up before our good God, that, that we have volunteers here every weekend who are ready to, to step down into those trenches to, to pray with you on your behalf. So during this time, if you'd like to go and pray with them, they would be more than happy to do that. Let's stand together as we sing. A few years